Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Psychosocial Distancing Podcast. I'm one of your hosts, Daniel Chadbourne, and with me, as always, is Thomas Brooks. Hello, hello. And we're running, I guess not solo, we're running duo Mm -hmm. um, again uh, for another kind of interlude, psychosocial distancing with a twist. The twist this time being that we don't have drinks. No, no drinks this week. Uh, And we have retractions. Huzzah! (laughs) It's more (laughs) ethics. It's always ethics. It's always come. This is our favorite, right? It's it's Um, ethics all the way down. Yes, we've teased this publication many a times on this podcast. It's the Retraction Watch, um, retractionwatch.com. It is a fantastic blog um, dedicated to following retracted research articles for various reasons across the scientific literature. They put out like and three new stories a day. Mm-hmm. And they are not want for work. No, they have plenty of things to do, and they do wonderful, thankless labor. And we appreciate them and want to highlight them this week and possibly in future weeks. As yeah, we tend to do. Maybe that needs to get added to my list. I need to cold contact the people who run Retraction Watch. <laughs> right? Need to have them on. They provide yeah. us so much content. We need to like thank them. <laughs> Well, and there, there are plenty of people that they they highlight um, across their site of these these kind of um, what is it? What, what would be the appropriate word? These sort of sleuths for research misconduct mm-hmm. that that look at images in published work, that double check stats, that deep dive. I was having a really hard time. There, there was some really interesting. Um, psych studies uh, there's one guy goes back to like 20 2010 they've been looking at his stuff and he's published things like um you know do heels high heels actually make you more attractive i think i remember that guy or at least his research because it's like super clickbaity research and it's all like there are issues with all of it i don't i don't I don't want to say it's all fabricated because not all of it is. There are other issues with some of the other stuff. He's also the guy who published, uh, he's a guy, a researcher from France. He also published um, a study that, that men who carry guitar cases are more attractive. <laughs> okay. And he published it in, like the journal of music psychology or something like that. But it, like, it turns out that they, they, these, these researchers have been looking into him they found all of this, these sort of like, you know, misconduct issues or these, these issues with his research. And it's just retraction after retraction after retraction. Damn. I, I will give us some credit. The worst cases in this are not psychology. Yes. No, psychology like gets hit every now and then. And I have a particularly interesting case to share tonight, but usually it's like physics or exercise or something like more scary <laughs> than psychology it, there's a lot of medicine like if you look at the top 10 most cited or most cited retractions on their list it's like uh english journal of Med- new england journal of medicine lancet science uh plant journal uh nature uh, BMC evolutionary, uh, BMC evolutionary biology, Lancet, 
Blood. Blood. It's a journal about like blood, blood disorders and stuff. Um, embryonic uh, and and nature again. <laughs> and it's all it's all medical. Uh, it's the ones that kind of go out there, like everyone cites it, and then it gets retracted. And like the lowest of the top ten was cited like six hundred and seventeen times before it got retracted. Um, I'm sure it's still getting cited post retraction. Uh, post retraction, 172. <laughs> the, the, the worst offender is primary prevention of cardiovascular disease with a Mediterranean diet. Retracted in 2018, 1,919 uh, citations before it was retracted, 816 after. Total sites, uh, 2,735. And it is a, it was retracted in, yeah, 2018. Published in 2013. It took five years to finally get rid of it. And that's a whole other issue we could talk about, like how long it takes. Maybe that's what we should have someone on, is, is just this, the arduous process of sleuthing, investigating, checking someone's work. And then, like, that's the easy work. The hard work is actually getting their paper pulled because there's a problem mm-hmm. with it, especially if they're um, they don't want that to happen. Mm-hmm. Absolutely, no. That is uh, that is definitely a uh, episode we need to have in the future. We'll need to do some sleuthing of ourselves and find somebody. So, the idea, I guess, to highlight for this episode and possibly next month is I kind of wanted to maybe have our own little, maybe this is inspired by the ignoble. Maybe we need to like have a laugh and a think about some retracted research every month and maybe take a look at and see who would we give an award to (laughs) for a retracted paper for every month and maybe do like a little summary of what's going on here and what's wrong and the weird and confusing world of retractions. And so I think we've both prepared a uh, tale of woe. Prepared's the loose word, but prepared to the loose word. I have, a, I have one. Yeah. It's a podcast, <laughs> not a lecture. We're all good. Right. <laughs> yeah. And there are some really good ones. Like, um, I mean, it was, it was a tough, a tough choice. Just looking at what's been published so far this month. Um, like these, these authors who Springer nature retracted their book. Ah, have, saw that. Ju- have just submitted another book to Springer nature. <laughs> How do you do it? It's like a per- hey, second time's the charm. It's like a perseverance. So we like, we'll have to, that, that'll be our twist. We'll come up with the name for the award, the situation. <laughs> Um, yeah, there's just some great stuff and it's, it's a lot of interesting stuff. Some of it is scary. Some of it is like, how did this even get through in the first place? Which is a question that is often asked with some of these Mm -hmm. retracted works. Like how did someone even approve this? It's that bad. Um, and then, and then even, you know, even other things, there's some really good insights into how this process is done. They do, they do interviews and stuff with other people. This really interesting um, article. And I'll, I'll link. I'll link these, or I'll link Retraction Watch in general, and just go scroll through all their stuff. That, that, oh yeah, that's a good read. Yeah, there's there's a great one on um, uh, Adam Day, who I think it's 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 Adam Day. He yeah he um he does 
plagiarism and like like sleuthing on the back end for sage publishing and so he's been trying to work out like algorithms and and programs to catch uh paper mills that have like the same person reviewing all these like cruddy papers so that they can get published mm-hmm so I, I guess I guess we could start. What what do you bring into the table? Alrighty. So this very confusing piece was published on February first, twenty twenty two, by Adam Marcus, and it regards a paper entitled "Stopping the Revolving Door: Reducing Thirty Day Psychiatric Readmissions with Post Discharge Telephone Calls." which seems like a very solid paper. I went and had a look at it. It's published through, or I guess it was published through a site called Curious or a journal called Curious. And it's a pretty basic chi-square model where they tracked participants um, or I guess patients from a psychiatric care facility and patient care who I believe were held against their will. Um, so it was involuntary. And then after they were released, they incorporated a phone call to the person to check in on them and ask if everything was all right and if they needed anything and just touch base to see if it would reduce readmission after 30 days. So you're, you know, institutionalized against your will, you're there for 30 days, you get released, they check back in on you to make sure you're doing all right to see if that would keep that revolving door from spinning. And they found really interesting results. So during the intervention period, the average readmission rate was 9.9%, uh, which was reduced by 3.4% uh, from the non-intervention period. And so just touching base with your patients after leaving inpatient care does positive things. And when I saw this, I was like, ah, damn, like it was retracted, but this isn't a necessary, so it's not a data issue. And it's not a like messed up method issue. Like there wasn't really anything devious happening with the content of the article itself. Rather, it had to do with the very sticky situation of authorship. Ah, mm -hmm. and so our title for this post from Retraction Watch is, quote, amateur bullshit is the price to pay <laughs> for democratizing scholarly publishing, says editor. And so what happened, and this is the official retraction notice, it says, quote, this article has been retracted at the request of the authors due to miscommunication among them which resulted in the lack of con consent from the lead author to submit and publish this article. The article was also not provided uh, an opportunity to review, contribute to, and approve the revisions prior to publication. This author was this claims that they did not have the opportunity to review, contribute, or approve the revisions before publication. As a result, Curious has chosen to acquiesce to this request and retract the article. So the first author claims that they did not have an opportunity to review, contribute, or approve the publication process for this article that went to this journal. First author? The first author, uh, Antonia Phillip is her name. The, I... go ahead. 
I'm I'm just so I just sub, I resubmitted an article this morning. Uh-huh. I spent most of my day doing it as the first author on this article. Um, how? Like that's oh. I'm really confused because there is so much. And I mean, I guess if I'm like, if I've got like a grad student second author, and I'm like, look, just go and put this in. Like I'm the corresponding author, just right upload it for me because i don't have time to do it yeah and you need to learn how to like navigate the nightmare hellscape that is journal submissions yeah Mm -hmm. so the editor says uh to retraction watch quote all authors were emailed by curious multiple times throughout the submission peer review and publication process Moreover, the submitting author was expected to have also been in uh, continuous communication with their co-authors to ensure all were on the same page. There was no fake email. Ultimately, one author decided she no longer wanted the article published for whatever reason and made the excuse that she never agreed to have it published in the first place. This was a dispute between authors into which Curious got dragged. As much as I hate this amateur bullshit, it appears that it is the price Curious must bear if we are to democratize access to scholarly publishing for the vast majority of honest physician authors, many of whom come from less wealthy countries who have been dispossessed by current uh, priced journals, exorbitantly priced journals. And so it seems like they're trying to do the open access thing and they're blaming amateur bullshit on the authors mean. for wanting to retract the paper. I don't, I don't, unless like you were getting along great and now you want to spite the people you're working with by like denying them a publication. Like what, what a move. What? Yeah. I don't understand. (laughs) Like you're the first author, but you apparently didn't submit. You weren't the corresponding author. And now you want to retract the article. Is this is this a medical? I mean, if it's a medical journal, first author might actually be the last, last. author. Yeah, so it, it'd be different if it was like a corresponding author. So I know in in in, in, a lot, in some medical research, uh, the person who kind of does the most work goes last. Uh-huh. It's kind of a weird. I I can't really wrap my brain around it. Uh. Yeah, it looks like this is a medical uh, journal. So I guess. Yeah, Antonia so the Philip was like for psych because they're psychiatrists, they're not psychologists, right? And so that she might be been... last author position. So it's spiteful last author, yeah, something like that. Like, if, if we're thinking of it like that, and that might explain maybe where some of this is coming from. Maybe they thought that they did more work than you know that credit. I don't know. I'd love to, you know, if if, if, if we do have at any point any medical researchers listening to this and someone does uh, I'll be happy to take first author slot for anything you want to work on together. (laughs) Right. Oh, it looks really good for me. So the plot thickens a little bit. Let me pull up the PDF to make sure, but the author in question about pulling this has the little email link above their name which means they were the corresponding author oh no corresponding author oh there's two corresponding authors and antonia philip was one of them 
So they would have had to receive those emails from the journal if you have two corresponding authors. Hmm. Hmm. So that is why that I found that like usually when we think of retraction watch or when we bring it up on the show, we think about it in terms of like faking data, fudging data, misrepresenting data, being unethical to participants. But this one is Weird. odd. This is like Twilight Zone react uh, rejection. Within the within the last year, there are two uh, two additional curious um, articles here uh, in Retraction Watch. So, like, they're not. Um, I guess immune. They've they've been in in retraction watch a lot, you know, or at least a couple of times in 2021, and then now early 2022. Um, what was their first one over? So one was the fate of authors. Let's see. Curious has retracted a pair of case studies after the authors re- revealed that the informed consent that they had received from patients had been revoked. So. That completely understandable. It should, you know, like I, if, if I were running that journal, I would retract those articles too. One paper was, quote, uh, the failure of ancient breast implant can lead to significant morbidity. Describe the case of a 90-year-old woman who ruptured a 60-year-old breast implant. Oh, oh, Lord. I mean, I would retract it, my consent for that study too. <laughs> this, interestingly enough, it would have been one of the first uh prostheses used for that in um ever like huh. the, the, the first implants arrived in 1962 interesting so question this is something that i also find odd about this one is that curious still has the full article up on their uh website or their journal website they, they do say retracted yeah but you can still read the whole thing like it's still there Surprisingly, that is not uncommon. Oh, okay. Where where a journal will retract something and they'll just put like, or they'll have like a note of concern, or there'll be like some like like notice, but they put it with it. I guess so. When you go to look for it, it it doesn't completely disappear. You don't go find it from a shady source, right? If you look for it and you find it through the 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 publisher, it'll they'll they'll let you know it's retracted. I don't know. I mean, in this case, like it's retracted, but also like. If it's not bad science, mm-hmm. kind of keeping it keeping it out there isn't necessarily a bad thing. But yeah, mm-hmm. oh man. And then the other one. Let's see. The article has been retracted based on the discovery that the submitting author, Dr. Ahmed Elkuli, uh, invited his wife to serve as a peer reviewer without properly disclosing the relationship. <laughs> um, Oops. Five of his papers. Oh wow! So he was he was using his wife as part of like the paper mill program. Yeah, which is this like really shady. You know, for our listeners, it's this really shady practice where, um, you'll have someone submit an article to a journal that asks you like, "Hey, like who are people in the field that that might submit?" And because the whole system is kind of overworked, they'll typically take your suggestions. And if mm-hmm. your suggestions are like made up people at made up university with made up email address, uh, you could just have your friends do it for you or you Beautiful. could do it 
Um, and yeah, it, it's basically all of the reviewers are really happy and like really like it. Like there is no reviewer too because you are all secretly the reviewers. <laughs> uh, yeah, <laughs> curious greatly regrets that these fraudulent peer reviews were not identified prior to publication. Uh, his residency program has been notified as is consistent with COPE guidelines. He's a doctor. So yeah. Hmm. Yeah, this was all on like COVID stuff. So I nominate these authors, Philip, Rosie, and De Silva, for the award of APA Ethical Guidelines 1.21 public uh, publication credit. As they should have read the last paragraph, which states, when a manuscript is accepted for publication, each person listed in the byline must verify in writing that they A, agree to serve as an author, B, approve the order of authorship presented in the byline, and C, accept the responsibility of authorship. Asking a journal to remove an article because you have a spat with your co-authors does not feel like it meets uh, number C. <laughs> number so C. Letter C. <laughs> we could simplify this by just calling it the Amateur Bullshit Award. <laughs> the Amateur Bullshit Award. Have your fights before you submit your articles. I, maybe, it's, maybe it's also a good lesson in collaboration. Yes. Sometimes it works out. Sometimes you never want to do it again. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I will say, and this was before I read this, so I have invited a collaborator within a research uh, agenda study series that I'm working on right now because we overlap in a couple ways. Um, and we can, pretty much I'm bringing them on to help with uh, data collection, right? Mm-hmm. And so I emailed them this evening and I said, uh, at the end of the email, after the invite, we kind of talked about what's going on. I told them very explicitly that, uh, let's see, this email serves as an official invitation to authorship on articles written utilizing the data collected on blank by blank for use in the blank study series. Order of authorship for manuscripts will prioritize major written contributions, data analytics, and then data collection. The first author will be the person who takes the lead on writing the manuscript itself and conducts the labor of communicating with journals for publication processes, of which all collaborators will have an opportunity to volunteer for said role without prejudice. Fantastic. And so I was like, we're getting this out on the table right now. We're putting this in writing. If you agree, this is what we're referring back to in case bullshit, amateur bullshit like that happens. I don't know. I... The, the people I work with nowadays, I think we're all cordial enough mm-hmm. and and we kind of know the deal and we've all been kind of like trained within the same circles. <laughs> so we're very like upfront. We know if you're writing the paper, you're first author. And if you want to jump in and write the paper, no one's going to stop you usually because mm-hmm. we're, ha- we're happy not to necessarily write it. Um, mm-hmm. And yeah, significant contribution. Like, those established, yeah, it helps yeah. to have that you know established research relationship where you don't have to explicitly say it for every paper. Right, right, yeah, no, and I, it, it's, it's sometimes when I'm like talking to the my grad students and I'm like, there might be a publication in here. It's like, but I just want to be upfront with you. Like, you're gonna take the lead on this because it's your, it's your idea. 
and you're going to get first author on everything. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like no questions. Like I'm, I am, I'm here to help and I will go last. I am fine with that. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Man. So, That's wild. Yeah, that was a wild little story. So follow your APA guidelines, be upfront, put things in writing. It's like the don't fight after the article's already published. Just take the win, put it on your CV, and then don't work with them again. It's like an anti-pressure to publish award. Like oh. you <laughs> like that pressure should make it to where it doesn't matter. I got a publication. Yeah. Like I don't care. Like it's done. I mean, it is, it is. I will give them credit. We don't know if the, the first author was the one officially, right. but it's heavily implied. But I will give yeah. them credit that if there was some sort of moral, ethical, like boundary that was crossed, that they were willing to yeah. sabotage their own CV to like make a stand. Congratulations to you. That takes a lot of guts. So I don't want to fully mock. Yeah, this yeah, we, we, we highly respectable. Like we, if that is against, you know. Yeah, we we definitely don't know the full story. So. Yes. <laughs> We so do my, know that there was a breakdown of communication that breaks ethical guidelines, though. So yeah, <laughs> yeah, we can't put them on that. Put so, that on them. My story is kind of an opposite story. Um, I, I was I was reading through this several times before we talked, and you were like, you suggested it. I was like, yeah, no, I'll I'll go with this one. Just having having trouble narrowing it down. Um, this one is is actually a case of we can't get our paper published, oh. and then some weirder things happen. So uh, doctors uh, Jonsen and Flogstad, uh, uh, both from the Inland Norway University of Applied Sciences, had both been fighting to get this paper published. This this manuscript on the psychology of green entrepreneurship. So kind of io business c psych stuff and so they submitted it to the international small business journal which is a sage journal and that'll be important later (laughs) um editors rejected it not even peer review just no you're done um and then so did the journal of entrepreneurship so they submitted it to uh taylor and francis title uh cogent business and management I, I guess it works out. I mean, you gotta you gotta publish where you can, um, mm-hmm. and so so like as they were submitting it, and as it was sent out there, um, and they were waiting, I guess, for this this cogent business and management uh, to make a decision. December twenty fifth sees a publication of a different paper. Um, a paper that was basically their paper, but not about Norwegian companies, but about Indian companies. Oh, shit. It appeared in Vision, the Journal of Business Perspective, which is also a sage title. <gasps> it, so as I read through this, I was concerned because it looks like it went to two sage publications but it got editor rejected like uh-huh. desk rejected so and the person who even like an anonymous peer reviewer who stole it 
Right. Except that the journal, like it, this, the, the lead author on this new paper couldn't have been, I would hope wasn't an editor for a sage publication because the first author uh, was, was a man and I, I'll, they name him in the article and I'll, I'll name him because actually it's really admirable what ends up happening. Um, or at least he comes forward. <laughs> it's admirable mm-hmm. that he at least comes forward. Um, uh, Bobin uh, Devadasan, uh, D-E-V-A-D-H-A-S-A-N, of the Loyola Institute of Technology in Chennai, India, or Chennai, India. Johansson and Flagstad contacted Vision as well as Sage, and then, yeah, and then the first author reached out to them. Um, a day later, when... Yeah, a day like a day later, they got an apology letter, and I'm going to read you the apology letter. So this is this is why this article was stolen, was rewritten, and it was almost identical. The only real difference was that the entire setting was changed from Norway to India. So it's basically okay. they just like cop. So like they have no data to work on, so they're literally just copying a study, copying a paper word for word, <laughs> almost word for word, but they're changing the location using all the same introduction, using the same methods using the same results and discussion, but reframing it to be about Indian green companies as, as opposed to Norwegian. Uh, it was a uh, small scale auto ancillary companies in India instead of small scale Norwegian manufacturing companies. Okay. <laughs> yeah. That's um, brutal. It's yeah. So it's like, it's like overt plagiarism. It's, yeah, I mean, it's not it's not even plagiarism. It's theft. It's like outright theft. Like you're not just stealing someone's words. You're taking their paper mm-hmm. um, as a whole. So respected sir, madam, my name is Babin Das. Uh, I requested Professor Meyer and Dr. Moon Moon to assist me in getting a paper published in Vision. The paper's name, The Psychology of Green Entrepreneurship, uh, environmentally sustainable organizational climate and small scale companies in India. I am a PhD student in India and I needed a publication in order to submit my thesis. Oh. I am the first author of the manuscript and I admit that I obtained the paper in an unethical manner, uh, behavior made by myself only. I did not write the paper, but I told my co authors whom I requested assist me in the publication process that it was my work. I lied to them and uh, may have gotten them into trouble. They have only assisted me so far, and I apologize for my mistake in this issue. None of the co-authors were aware of my unethical behavior. I will immediately request the paper be retracted from the journal. Uh, I am uh, apologizing for my mistakes. Um, Kindly forgive me. Thank you, Bobbin. And so, Um... like, at first I'm like, man, this guy stole the paper. And then, like, I read, like, I'm a PhD student. And I needed a publication in order to submit my thesis, which makes it sound that this paper was not his thesis, that his program was requiring him to get a publication before he could submit his thesis and graduate. Yeah, that's what it sounds like. And so there's this like huge institutional red flag going on there. Mm -hmm. No, because that goes beyond just like one person's plagiarism that goes like into like unethical behavior by an institution right i mean and i could see this like argument of like you know you know 
getting that experience. Mm -hmm. But publishing a paper to graduate is very different mm -hmm. than like publishing papers to get a job. So like there's a difference mm -hmm. in showing your skill and requirements to go and move up in a position versus showing that you can do the work, which is what like a thesis or a dissertation would be. Right, yeah. I mean, I can maybe understand like having some sort of like in-class requirement to at least submit to a journal a paper that you've written. Sure. As kind of like a learning outcome of how to navigate that journal publishing system. And if you get like shot down, then you're shot down and no worries. You like right. you participated. Good job. You know how to do this now. But yeah. like requiring a publication before you're allowed to submit your thesis. That's kind of messed up. Yeah. So how did like so another question comes up so on one hand we've got this issue we've got a student who is being pressured to publish mm -hmm. in order to graduate so it's not like pressure to publish to get a job it's pressure to publish just to graduate um mm -hmm. who was willing to do this to go so far which probably means that it it, it did not happen in a bubble there's probably other people who have done it before i'm just gonna mm -hmm. speculate um, right, because how do you lift a paper out of a Sage journal database? Well, unless you know someone at Sage, or well, there is an avenue to get those papers that are rejected in the first place. Here's our second twist. Oh, second it, twist. It may not have come from Sage. Really? Both of the Sage papers were desk rejected by the editors. And so the only person uh -huh. who would have seen that or the editors, or someone tangential with that, they're suspecting that in the review process with Cogent, the Taylor and Francis journal, that it may have been oh. stolen. That someone... So, like, like it's under... It's under review. Like, someone who is doing the... So, a peer reviewer has the document, and they pass it along yeah. to this PhD student in India. And it could be, it could be even bigger than that. I mean, you could just say like someone intercepts an email or someone like hacks an email account and just goes and pulls like, you know, someone who does reviews, like we're, we're not immune to being hacked. And so, you know, your email gets hacked and they go and, and just look through it and, you know, they're, they're targeting academics. And so they go and pull every, every review that's being done by that academic. And then they, they sell those papers to other people. Mm-hmm. Something yeah. like that. Yeah. So it says that uh, do some investigative journalism under uh, for this like yeah. Well, uh, I'm dark market of academic papers. I will I will keep um I will keep kind of you know my eyes open for for a follow-up of this because they are in dialogue with Cogent. So they're trying to see like, was this something that was was intercepted there? Was it something that was intercepted on like the sage level? Because, I mean, that would be the way to go. I mean, if I were, like, super unscrupulous and had any hacking skill, I would just go hack, like, journal editors and then just see what see what's currently, you know, being desk rejected. <laughs> mm -hmm. And then go with that, um, you know, if I wanted to be completely unscrupulous. Um, I will I will say the, the most common form of, like, paper mill BS that's being done isn't that in-depth. Um, right. What's what's typically happening now is that they're using those really bad AI programs to like write papers and they're all gibberish. Mm -hmm. And then what they do is they get the peer reviewers to be like 
people within this same collective group that are all peer reviewing each other's work. And so mm-hmm. that, that's like the true paper mill. In this case, it seems that's that he brutal. got he got the paper. I am really interested into seeing how like I want to know how he got the paper. Yeah. And Absolutely. Because like Sage, Taylor Francis, Elsevier, like they're more than just publication companies. These are some of the like most wealthy public like companies, period, on the planet. And like they have higher profit margins than like military technology companies. Yeah, no, they're they're multi-billion dollar corporations. And so they... if they got hacked. <laughs> right. Yeah, I, I would argue it's probably something simpler than that. It's probably that 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 I don't know, someone got their hands or one of the reviewers is like, mm-hmm. you know, selling out papers that they got so that you can go submit to a different journal and maybe in this case the guy aimed high and submitted to a mainstream journal instead of like a little under the table journal that no one would have noticed or or maybe like in the the information era um it's easier right. to find those those journals like if, if if that's your interest if that's what you're doing research on that's what you're going to be doing searches for and so it increases the likelihood that you're going to find stuff that like plagiarizes your work. Mm-hmm. I'm wondering if this maybe, maybe this was like good intentions paving the road to hell kind of situation. So like maybe the peer reviewer got the paper and they knew like it was going to get rejected or they had some sort of knowledge, but they also knew the first author and the first author is like their friends. And they're like, I'm helping my friend. Like I got to get him out of this program. It is weird though, because like I yeah, I guess I guess if you've already graduated, because I don't think I had ever had a situation where like I um I had gotten asked to review a journal until after I had gotten published to start with. Mm-hmm. And so I mean I had to be published first. Right. I definitely right. was a grad student when I did my first peer review. Yeah. I might have been. I don't know. I've done a number of them already. I don't. Um, but yeah, it's 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 sort of really fascinating. I, I don't know what I would. I, it's just you know again like I call it like the that sucks award because it kind of does suck for everyone. <laughs> I mean, it sucks for the original authors who kind of have to go through the the standard publication hell of of you know desk rejections and peer reviewers don't even get to see it. Um, what sounds like again, I it, it has to be at least somewhat of a sound article if it got published. Right. It sounds like it's a pretty decent article. And so um why why is it, you know, I mean it's a different journal, so you know, it's not like the two journals that rejected it suddenly accepted this new one. That would be even right. weirder. That'd be an even bigger twist out of the whole thing. <laughs> It'd make me question everything um but yeah that that why would you know why yeah maybe vision was just a better fit for i think they should just submit it to vision at this point and uh vision should do the paper should do 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 diligence and yeah and then publish it they've already accepted it basically um Mm -hmm. on its merits as a paper about entrepreneurship in india uh right just go and change the words back to the original. You can accept it again. 
honestly like i don't know my heart goes out to the phd student like if i were in that situation and they had the balls to email me an apology letter i might resubmit that article to that journal and put them as last author (laughs) I mean, you don't at wanna... this point it's collaboration you did you did all the work to get it into the journal that's a significant contribution you know all right i'll give you that i was gonna say you don't want to reward bad behavior but like that's a good point but also it's, it's it's significant work to submit something to a journal yeah i vote this is the zombie academia award yeah everybody got fucked in this situation yeah and yeah, I, I just I reading through it and and going through like the twist after twist, and then it's just like as much as you want to demonize this guy, it's like, well, he did we, get it published. <laughs> he got it published, and we're we're back, we're back to we're, you know talking about the the nature of the system. Uh, no, as, it's as, a good little like highlight here. Like obviously, individual like ethics and responsibility are important i don't want to right. play that right but also this one kind of shines a light on a bigger issue outside of the individual yeah i mean much in the same way as like we wonder why some of these big names uh, i was reading um some of the older stuff on on retraction watch looking for some psych stuff and um there was a there's been a string in the last i don't know if it was the last couple of years or it was a couple of years ago that uh, daniel schachter um the big guy at Cornell, um, you know, big name researcher, uh, was having papers retracted recently because he was basically um, self-plagiarizing. Like it was just the stuff that he was publishing was too close to other stuff that was being published. So it was like chopping up stuff so finely and then probably getting it published on name recognition uh, or... I want to look into that and maybe have a larger discussion later, maybe over the summer about self-plagiarism because I kind of find it to be bullshit. Yeah. I mean, there's a, I I think what they're, what they were getting at with the one that I was reading was that like the paper he published was so similar to another paper. He paper. Yeah. Right. Or it was like, where like the intro is the same, but the study's different. And it's like, then like make this a part two call it part two uh, right well i mean even if you do the intro like i don't know the background information if you have a bunch of studies nested within the same issue area like maybe you change like the second half of the intro to fit the current study but like the top half like how many times right. can you say right. humans have experienced right for over a century or right. human nature does why or i mean or like or like this is Schachter. like get a special issue yeah or i don't know i don't know i'm yeah i know i mean and i'm i'm with you like i think there are aspects and i think i think that's also part of like this bigger system of you have to give over the copyright holding to the the papers themselves and so technically self-plagiarizing is uh detrimental to their bottom line their billion dollar bottom line can and, i say the c word yes yes thomas Capitalism. <laughs> have not said it in a while yeah no well we've been busy talking about stuff going on in people's heads so So, yeah um no the self-plagiarism i find that would be something to look into maybe we need to have some self-plagiarism but uh the great tara brabazon brings up 
institutional plagiarism where professors claim the work of their students when they didn't actually contribute to the work itself. Yeah. They were just the supervisor and did not actually contribute directly to the project. I mean, there's there's enough in our rules. So like I was submitting to a journal this morning and they actually had a checklist of like, these are all the things that you can contribute. What did your author do? And so I had to mm-hmm. go through all six authors on this paper, including myself, and check off what did they do. And so there were things like major writing, minor writing. So like minor writing and revisions. There was a data collection, data analysis, uh, conceptualization. And then there was also, there were like eight of them. But like number eight was like, they approve that this will get published. And so I kind of like plotted everyone out. It turns out that like our authorship tracks pretty well. So like, cool. like out of the, um, out of everything, I think I did every, I, I worked on every aspect of it. Um, or like I worked on all, but like some of the analysis and that's what one of the co-authors did. And then the co-author like did almost everything, but the major writing, which is what I did. And then like everyone else at least contributed to like editorial oversight and like they at least put their eyes on it. They were there for conceptualization. They were there for data collection. Like they were there there for parts of it. And so, and everything tracked out pretty well for numerical order. I mean, um, the data collectors for that study were uh, hard workers for that paper. <laughs> Honestly, we should put a seventh author on there. We really should. <laughs> Maybe if this one gets rejected. I'll I'll add the seventh author on there who did a lot of uh, data collection help because that was a rough study yeah. to collect um, for. Yes. Sunburns that were was had. What? 110 degrees outside data collection. <laughs> All weekend. So, yeah. Yeah, no. Um, but it, it was definitely something that we did. And I think more journals should do that. Mm-hmm. For oh, that, where you, you have to justify what you do. And that way... If you have an advisor who's stealing work and saying that they did it, they're basically signing off on their lie instead of just mm-hmm. presenting it. But like, I mean, there's nothing like I, I don't, I don't know. That's another discussion we should have because I don't, I, I get it. I, I get why people do it. I don't get it personally. I do not have that unethical bone in my body to be like, I'm gonna, you know, I'm gonna take first author on this because you wrote the paper. I'm like, there is nothing. I'll take second author. I'll take fifth author. I'll take last, whatever last is. Cause I'm going to probably put my eyes on it. I'm going to probably help that student mm-hmm. with conceptualization. I'm probably going to help them with, a you know, editorial. I'm going to probably check their mm-hmm. data um, to make sure it, it works before we submit it. Cause I'm not gonna put my name on it otherwise. Right. Yeah. I don't want to end up like our, uh, what is it? The amateur, amateur bullshit award and like go, wait, why is this right. out here? <laughs> right, exactly, exactly, exactly. And I, it just, and like, for the people who are doing it, it's, it's people who are already established, which bothers me even more. Like, yeah, I, I don't need, and I don't have tenure yet, but I don't need a first author paper anymore. Um, mm-hmm. I've, I've got enough set up where I feel pretty comfortable with my research of the triad. And mm-hmm. And even if I did, like if 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 I were a tenured professor, I needed even less. It's all ego. Yeah. It's 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 all ego that's 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 driving that. And there's and honestly, 
I don't think I've ever worked at a university or been a part of a university that didn't view a student-led project where the student was first author as just as good, if not better, than if you were first author. Yeah. And so... Uh, so down I, with prestige exactly <laughs> i i wish Learn i had a work not show off <laughs> how long's your cv long enough um for now <laughs> <laughs> too long i mean you know it's not like harvard professor well, I mean, it sounds like the Harvard professors' CVs are getting shorter by the day. <laughs> yeah, oh yeah, because they're getting they're getting uh, retracted. <laughs> so I I don't know. Maybe I, I was trying to figure out a good bias of the week. So we we should probably end on that. Yes, we are rambling now. You know, in thinking about our our recent ramble, maybe it does make sense. And and retraction watch itself, I think, fits in with this bias. Because the nature of retractions in science are fascinating. Um, And so the bias of the week is news media bias. Mm, I don't recall this one. Uh, It's media's tendency to run stories that are commercially viable, topical, and usually interesting. If Uh, if If it bleeds, it leads. If it bleeds, it leads. And so... Yeah, not not necessarily hopeful, not necessarily beneficial to society. Really, I think it's the first one that that overarcs the others commercially viable. Yep. So that's why we're gonna sit and talk about changing MMs and not yep. the big investigation that came out at the same time talking about widespread child labor and trafficking amongst cocoa farms mm. yep no i remember that i was like wait a second didn't yeah. they just get like accused of child slavery <laughs> yes but hey it works in everyone's favor if we're getting outraged over m&ms becoming less sexual <laughs> right which that's a weird controversy in of itself like are we at the stage now where like I don't know. I just have better what is, things to do with my time than like worry about an already rainbow set of candies being more inclusive. What? I mean, but again, like you're not worried about it. It's not meant for you. It's meant for like the very small percentage of people who are consuming on Twitter and who are yes. watching. Well, and I would say, and who are watching like the most popular shows on television right now. It's it's all I have no for idea it's, what those are. Tucker Carlson. Oh, the <laughs> news. Yeah. No, because that came out the Democrat, like he has a massive Democrat audience right now. It's it's wild. It's because the people who hate him watch him so that they can continue to hate on him. And the people who love him watch him. And mm-hmm. he has argued in court that he is just entertainment. <laughs> Shit, everything's entertainment at this point. Like we were just we were just looking at a very prestigious journal bulletin today with some very interesting titles in the table of contents and some really underwhelming methodologies <laughs> when you yeah. actually scratch the surface i wonder if that too like again it's commercially viable for one mm-hmm. but i also wonder too if like a prestigious journal like that if there's not like another like 
heuristic or bias kicking in that most people are like, I'm not going to get into that journal. And they just go elsewhere. And so the people who are submitting are maybe a little overconfident. Oh, and they like and overconfident like, first author bias. And I mean, <laughs> you gotta you gotta publish a bunch of little short studies every month. Mm-hmm. And so maybe we should try that and just see, like, put in our weakest article that we have. I mean, I've I've done it. <laughs> yeah. Got desk rejected. Ah. I've done it on like our not weakest articles. Um, I always submit high first because it's mm-hmm. worth, worst case I get rejected. Like okay, and the best case, best case you get submitted. Worst case is the desk reject. But a nice case is when you get good peer review comments at the high level journal that rejects you. Yeah. So even worst, a rejection at a high level journal with peer review would be helpful. Worst worst case is when you get you know, six month, a six month wait, and you get really scathing responses from the, the peer reviewers <laughs> of the journal. <laughs> so on, I guess, I guess on that depressing note, <laughs> science sucks. <laughs> I guess we'll say, Hey, goodbye. we went, we did a, yeah, we did an episode about retractions. Of course it was going to be negative. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's it's only downhill from rejections over retractions. <laughs> it's a good Freudian slip. Um, there you go. Yeah. So yeah, with that, <laughs> goodbye, everyone. <laughs> goodbye. <laughs>